Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Another kind of heartfelt story. Well, it's kind of connecting with the heart. Yeah, when we want to find out who we are, where do we belong, what's happening in the world, are we in the world? So often we go to the head and we think about it, and very often the route, the journey is through the heart. And while that may sound very strange, um, I'm going to rather get my guests to expand on that. I've got the wonderful Helena Creel um, on the show today. She's an award-winning author. She's a screenwriter, lives in L.A., but has been back in South Africa. Um, so welcome, Helena. Lovely to have you. Hi, Nikki. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. So you've had quite a challenging time and you know, haven't we all? But I mean, really with you, I know that being in LA as a, as a, as an author, I know that there was a, um, there was a strike happening and all of a sudden that impacted your business on a personal level. You had issues and you've come to South Africa. Perhaps you just want to give us a bit of a background of, of your state of mind and what was going on in your world before you returned to your homeland. Um, well, Nikki, you talking about um, the story that I've written in Meditating with Rhinos, my book. Um, so it, it goes back a couple of years. Um, basically, what happened was I left from South Africa to Los Angeles, became very successful there. Um, it, it's kind of a miraculous thing very quickly. And it set me up as an A-list um, Hollywood writer, which is which is a sort of a dream that, that all writers have. And I was suddenly wow. living it. At the same time that um, I was very in demand in Hollywood, I also had the thing that we all dream about, really, which was um, finding who I considered to be the one. Um, you know, I was a, a romantic person. Um, I really believed in a, sort of the sacredness and beauty of partnership. Mm. And um, when I found the person that I thought was the one, it was a real celebration for me and um, thought that I was going to embark on a really kind of extraordinary life with this person. Um, but life doesn't always work out in the way that you think it's going to for very good reasons in retrospect. And as I came to find out, um, this person was actually not the one and definitely not the one that I was supposed to be with. At the mm. same time, um, Hollywood also uh, went through a, a kind of real speed wobble where there was a major writer's strike. So I was in the combination of my personal life sort of falling apart, and at the same time, my creative life was going through a real speed wobble. And both of these things happened at the same time, and I went through definitely a crisis of the of the heart and soul, I'll call yeah. it. And um, I just, so, you know, you know, the other thing, Nikki, is that in leaving South Africa, you know, the, the notion, the reality of immigrating is uh, um, much harder than I think people would understand. And um, because you leave everything behind that you feel you know, you feel, you leave your, your, the place where you feel you belong. And when you are in partnership, in marriage, in relationship, you have a sense of belonging. So all of this was, was happening to me at the same time and giving me a crisis of belonging. I was thinking, who do I belong with? Where do I belong? What is home? What is family? So it made sense for me, um, at that, at that time that this was all happening was to return to South Africa because my family has always lived here 
And um, so I thought, let me just come home. Let me be in South Africa. Let me be in a place that's always constituted home in my in my deepest um, my deepest self. And that's what I did. I returned to South Africa, um, looking again for where where did I belong, and perhaps how did I belong? How did I belong in the world? Who might I belong with? Um, what in fact was family? What in fact was belonging? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a little bit of the, 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 the backstory to, to the book that I wrote, which is, um, Meditating with Rhinos. Wow. Thank you for, thank you for setting the scene. I can now see why you're such a successful screenwriter, Helen. I'm there. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, 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 I love that, you know, this crisis of, where do I belong? Um, you know, you know, obviously so many of us are going through our own crises. Where do I belong? Who am I? Um, how do I navigate this new world? Whatever the question is, we, it seems as if more and more people are asking questions and certainly the questions seem to rise when we are going through challenging times. So uh, to, to return to South Africa, as you say, the place that you know where your family are, uh, must have been a huge decision, especially if, because to, to make the decision to go to the, to go to LA was such a huge life changing one. So how did your family respond, um, Helena? I mean, were they no sorted out or yes, come home, we love you? And, and how did that play on your mind, um, based on what people were thinking and saying? Nikki, I've always come between between South Africa and Los Angeles. You know, right. there's this notion that if you're going to immigrate, you've got to burn your bridges, as they say. I never burnt my bridges because my family lives here. My family is important to me. And so I continued um, a life between both places. But definitely I was spending a lot more time in Los Angeles um, than, um, than I than I started to and when I returned to South Africa my family has always been very open armed you know you, you know we've got a we've got a close family relationship so that you know they they always are thrilled when I come back and sad when I leave um so the fact that I was coming back for a little bit of an open-ended kind of journey um they didn't really ask too many questions they were just like you know the feast will be the feast will be served when you arrive, and that basically is always what happens when I come back. Um, mm. So they weren't really they weren't really uh, 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 you know asking questions that were difficult for me to answer. The person mm. that was asking difficult questions to answer was myself. You know, mm-hmm. it, you, you know how you go through these these sort of crises in a life where you know your mind is just talking to you way too fast and asking way too many unsolvable questions. And that's really what was happening. My family was very supportive, but I was the one that was giving myself a hard time. Mm, hear you. And I started off when I introduced you saying that, you know, it, you turn to another place to get the answers. And, and that is a, a wonderful story. So let's take a break um, and let's find out after the break, Helena, how it was that you could start to answer all of these burning questions. So stay with us. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 
And this is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, inspiration, and illumination. Nikki Seberini with you. I have Helena Creel on the line. She is an award-winning author and screenwriter, um, South African, and uh, been living in L.A., very successful career, breakdown in her marriage, um, and challenges in her career as well brought her home. Um, open-ended, as you say, Helena, who knows how long you're back for, but certainly you return turned with so many questions and you say I'm asking the question where do I belong which is quite a universal question I think we all ask that you know where do I belong so I would love you to share with our audience Helena how it was that you started to answer those questions and where it was that you found the answers um Nikki I think that 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 the romantic dream is that I belong with one other person uh-huh. um I think we are, I think it's, I think we are really encouraged by, by our modern life to believe that that's the case. And then you find the one and you settle down with the one and then you have a couple of, of children that come off the one and then you have like three or four people and they are who you belong with. Mm. As that is happening, everything else becomes invisible. And what I mean by everything else is, um, our relationship with with the natural world, our relationship with nature, our relationship with animals, our relationship simply with the light that 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 emanates through the leaves of a tree, all of that fades into background, and we start being very present with the small group of people that constitute family that constitute um, the ones we belong with mm-hmm. um, because that was stripped away from me. I felt a crazy nakedness and um I think I'm a, you know, I'm a basic human being in the sense of wanting to wanting to have relationship, and because there wasn't sort of relationship that was happening for me at that moment, um, and that nakedness was happening, um, an odd thing happened. My sister said to me, "Let's go and 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 volunteer with wild animals." I know that might sound like a crazy thing to do, but but oh, I not would, at all, not at all. I'd love to do that. Very <laughs> up for the adventure of it. I mean, I love animals deeply, and I just thought to myself, you know, I need to get out of my head. I need to get away from from um, you know the normal so-called world. So we we got in the car, we followed directions, we went up north. We didn't know where we were going. My sister said, "I have no idea what kind of animals these are." I said, "I just don't care." It was near the Kruger Park, so I knew they were going to be wild, and I was just up for whatever we would find at the end of um, the road. We landed up getting further and further away from from any habitation. The road got bumpier, the trees got thornier. We were traveling for about an hour, and I kept thinking to myself. What is at the end of this road? Who lives at the end of such a, such a long and desolate road? Mm-hmm. Um, eventually we pulled up to a gate and on the, on the gate was stickers. Um, it was sort of a hybrid sticker of a rhino and a hippo mixed. And my sister turned to me in the car and she said to me, it's a rhino scene. That's exactly what she said. And this crazy emotion came up in me. I found myself literally weeping in the car because um, I had been very sad about what was happening about rhinos. I would find myself across the world in America driving along the freeway, find one minute and literally saying to myself, why? Why? With such emotion in the next, because I couldn't figure out 
what on earth was going on with rhinos, why they were being plundered, why they were being poached. And the sudden emotion as we were driving up to the sanctuary thinking that could this actually be rhinos sort of flooded into me. And then when we pulled up at the sanctuary and there were the bomas and, um, you know, behind the wooden poles were gray shapes. It was rhinos. And we, um, we arrived at the sanctuary, um, the force of nature who runs the sanctuary, um, one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met in my life, Petronel Nebot, was working with a, a highly compromised black rhino baby. So we sort of stood in the driveway with the dogs barking at us and people coming and going and not knowing what to expect. And then she sort of emerged in this sort of flurry of, of color and energy and vigor and glamour, might I say, because she has to be a very good-looking woman on top of everything else. And I was just looking at her with a sort of wonderment because there was 17 rhino that she had in her um, in her in her hands, so to speak, at the end of this crazy road to nowhere, and I thought to myself, "Who are you? <laughs> what are you doing at the end of this crazy road? This sort of spirits of nature looking after these seventeen rhinos." In an hour, I had a bottle in a baby rhino's mouth, and there on began a journey that was that literally did change my life. Um, I was at the sanctuary for three weeks. Um, I was introduced to, to, to rhinos. Um, I was then put in charge of five baby rhinos. Um, I found, without imagining that such a thing was possible, that I actually could connect with rhinos. And then because of that... Um, I was put in positions of, of, of a, a sort of authority, I'll call it, where I was given five baby runners to look after during sure. the, the, the three weeks that I was there. And it was such an extraordinary thing that happened between me and these five runners and most specifically one rhino, a deep, powerful, and I will absolutely call it a love affair because that's what it was, a kind of extraordinary love affair that happened between primarily me and one of the rhinos. And um, my life was different at the end of those three weeks. And I drove away from the sanctuary and just thought to myself, things are going to line up differently. I absolutely am not the same person as I was when I, when I showed up three weeks ago. You know, just once again, you just describe it so beautifully, Helen. I'm so there with you, and I just feel my heart beating so much faster. The idea that, um, you know, asking the question, where do I belong? And you land up looking after these these orphaned rhinos. So I, I'm dying to know how looking after them, as you say, connecting very specifically with one, how things shifted so dramatically within you. Was it something that you actively worked on? Did it just happen organically? Share with us, please. Well, what happened was um, there was one very compromised little rhino um she had, as all of them, they're all collateral of poaching. So all of them have watched their mother get brutally poached. She had arrived at the sanctuary and um, she had died on arrival at the sanctuary out of just pure shock. They managed, uh, um, 
Petronel Nebo's husband, Chris de Bruno Austin, who's also an extraordinary individual, had literally breathed her back to life. So I was introduced to this rhino and was told she's a problem rhino. Don't put your hand near her. You know, you, you know, if you feed her, get your hand away from her really quickly because she'll smack your hand and a rhino's, you know, head is like pure marble. She can break your hand. So I was very intrigued by the hatred that this rhino was showing humans. And I was sort of very intrigued by the fact that, that she was a problem. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to connect with this rhino. So I asked to feed her. And every time that we went down, I fed the same rhino. And it was really a simple, um, a simple love that I showed her, respect, love. I concentrated on her. Um, I connected with her eye when I fed her. And at the end of a week, she actually was behaving differently. So I sort of started to have this sense that if I connect with rhinos, I show them love. I show them respect. I show up with real attention. I'm going to have a connection here. So I was sort of in the process of this happening when we had a morning meeting and Petronal showed up and she said, we've got a crisis on our hands. A baby's come in last night. Its mother was poached. It's been in the bush on its own for a week. It's highly compromised. And the only way that it survived was it drank its mother's blood. So it reeks of blood. It's in a, it's in a terrible state of emotional despair. Um, they had put it into a wooden crate, and this little rhino was coming out of sleep in such panic that it literally smashed the wooden crate to smithereens. So they had moved it from the wooden crate into a night pen, and it wouldn't drink milk. And, and if they couldn't get it to drink milk that day, um, they realized that they were going to be in big trouble. And Petronal said to us, we have to have such a level of quiet around that night pen because – we we want to try and encourage some kind of sense that this little rhino might have that it's in a safe place. Helena, so I, I, I'm going to press pause. I'm holding to every single word a quick break. We're going to be right back. Stay with okay. us. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. I have Helena Creel um, on the line, well-known screenwriter and award-winning author. And um, we're talking about her new book called Meditating with Rhinos. Um, Helena returned to South Africa asking a huge question, where do I belong? And as she said, her mind was filled with so many thoughts. And it was when she volunteered to work at an orphanage and work with orphaned rhinos that she started to connect with these animals on a level that brought her closer to herself um, and brought about many changes and shifts. So, Helena, you were talking about this poor baby rhino um, and in the pen and you had to keep um, very quiet that night. What then happened? So, basically, we were in the morning meeting and Petronal said, we've got this crisis going. Everybody's got to be very silent here. And I piped up and I said, listen, I meditate because I've meditated, you know, for my adult life. And I said to her, I don't know that it's going to help, but we may as well see if you want me to, I'll sit outside of the night pen and I'll meditate because I know that meditation changes energy. It changes reverberation Mm -hmm. and it, it communicates. 
So I thought that I don't have to even be with that rhino. I can just actually be on the other side of the door and start meditating and let's see what happened. And it happens. And Petronal said, yes, why not? We've got nothing to lose. So she said, meet me at the night pen after breakfast. So I bolted through breakfast, got back to the night pen. Petronal at that point had been sort of sucked into another crisis that was happening. And I landed up on my own at the, at, at the night pen. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to sit around waiting for her. I'm just going to start meditating like I said I would. So what happened in the, in the, it was about three hours before she actually showed up. And what happened in that three hours was kind of extraordinary. Um, I don't want to say what happened because I want to leave it to everybody to read in the book, but yes. it was mind blowing. It was actually mind blowing what happened. And all I will tell, tell you is that when they let me into the night pen after three hours of meditating on the other side of the door, this baby rhino drank milk. So I'm going to leave it to you sure. to talk about what happened. And then um, Petronal showed up and she's, you know, everybody was like in such jubilation. It's drinking milk. That's amazing. And everybody was so thrilled. And then she, she sat down. She, we had the baby rhino between us. And because it was so highly compromised, the undercarriage was Probably a, an inch thick in ticks. I mean, the whole of this rhino's undercarriage was ticks, black. And she said to me, will you help me pick the ticks off this rhino? Now, I know some people are super grossed out by ticks. Um, thankfully, I'm not. But even if I was, I don't think I would have said no. They bought a jug of water, and the two of us sat with this baby rhino between us, and we literally picked it had to have been thousands of ticks that we picked off this rhino. And as we were sitting with this rhino between us, slowly picking the ticks off it, its stomach, down its, down, down the, the inside of its thighs, all across its genitals. I mean, I'm picking ticks off a rhino's genitals, literally. And I was just thinking to myself, how can I ever be the same after an experience like this? And then Petronal said to me, will you stay with him? I had had no real contact beyond putting a bottle in a baby runner's mouth. I had the wrong shoes on. I'd, he had smashed a crate to smithereens, so I knew that he was powerful. And the, the volunteer coordinator said to me, all you have to do is don't get in front of his head. Because if, if you get in front of his head and he freaks out, you know, you, you, you're in a vulnerable place. Stay by his shoulder and keep your feet away from his that's all you have to do and just stay with him and keep him company. And if he gets up, get up quickly and go to his shoulder. And then I, they left me and there I was in sure. my, on my own with this highly traumatized little character. Wow. And that was the beginning of this love affair that I, that I, that I mentioned when we began talking. Um, what happened between me and this rhino, his name was Mabush. He was named after um, the, the ranger that had rescued him. So he was given the name of the ranger, Mabush. And what happened, this love affair that went between me and this rhino over the next three weeks has lasted until today. If mm -hmm. I see this rhino for nine months and I show up at the sanctuary, he, I, all I would need to do would be call in, in the way that he identified my voice and he would come sprinting to where he heard my voice. And the, so the, the, the story is about what happened before I had access to him, what happened in the, in the night pen, and then the, the number of, of years afterwards. And oh, basically, wow. 
basically what it taught me, Nikki, is that love, love, love just is surrounding us. Mm. That if we, if we are present for everything, it will show up in a way that is mind-blowing. How could I oh, imagine? Oh, Helena, that is beautiful. I'm going to end it there. As I said, you know, today's stories about love and heart. And I'm, I, for one, am running out to get the book Meditating with Rhinos. And I'm sure so many of our listeners, you're an extraordinary storyteller. And what a story it is. Um, Helena Creel, really finding yourself. Where do I belong? And boy, you got more than one answer, I'm sure. So Helena, thank you for joining us. So beautiful having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, Nikki. Lovely to be with you.